Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Say It Loud Network presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. Yes, we've seen, you know, the 50 shades of gray. Like, keep it. We don't want that. This is not about, oh, let's just have effort. Like, no, we need effective products that work. A number could mean less to us, right? Like, I, I don't really care if you have 50 shades of a foundation, if they're all gray. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Tisha Thompson, founder and CEO of LYS Beauty, and that stands for Love Yourself Beauty. So Tisha is a trained makeup artist turned beauty business maven, now the founder and CEO of LYS Beauty, with more than 15 years industry experience in clean beauty product development, brand management, marketing, finance, and operations. Unapologetic in her pursuit to diversify the marketplace, Tisha built LYS as a landing place for makeup and skincare solutions that are uniquely catered to various skin types, textures, and tones, while also addressing common skin concerns like hyperpigmentation, dark spots, and sensitive skin. With ingredients as her tool and confidence as the goal, Tisha is on a mission to dispel the myth that clean beauty, deep shade ranges, and high-performance products cannot coexist. Following a listen-and-respond approach to innovation, Tisha has spent years intimately studying the beauty consumer to fill gaps in the market as it relates to performance, shade offerings, undertones, and marketing representation. Truly becoming one with the lab, she relays these consumer concerns for a final result that gives you the immediate payoff you want with the lasting benefits your skin needs. Because when it comes to your skin, compromising shouldn't be an option. Innately curious and hungry for change, Tisha dedicates her time traveling the world to discover best beauty practices, emerging trends, and consumer-facing concerns to create products that break down barriers and build up confidence. She is known for celebrating the non-conforming views of beauty through globally recognized campaigns, most notably after her frustration on the lack of representation in beauty campaigns and shade assortments, she launched the 4-in-1 Love Your Selfie Longwear Foundation and Concealer during her tenure at Pure. This product, which launched in 100 flattering shades, cemented her commitment to serving underrepresented communities through the vehicle of beauty. And with that, Tisha, welcome to Business of the Beat. I am so excited to have you here. 
there's so many things going on with you. We're all just like cheering and praising you and just so, so, so proud. So today we're here to talk about LYS and LYS, your beauty brand, right? Like congratulations, we're giving snaps. So the first black owned clean cosmetics brand at Sephora. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Let's get into it. So tell us everything. Makeup artist, accountant, military family, executive, (laughs) and now founder. Yes, it's been it's been a whirlwind. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been such an exciting road. And it's crazy to think that we're only 60 days in. (laughs) But it just feels (laughs) like it's been a lifetime because it really has. It's been just a part of my journey to get to this point. And I'm just so excited to finally have the line out and share it with the world. But yeah, no, I did. I started off doing makeup um, years ago, but I was a military brat. My parents were pretty strict. Both my mom and dad were in the army and they were, you know, really adamant. They wanted me to go to college and get a real job, you know, like makeup wasn't a real (laughs) job. And, and I think now, you know, my mom's like, Oh my goodness, you know, back then, you know, I just didn't see the potential, but she just, they just always used to say, we don't want you to be a starving artist. We really want you to have stability and, you know, you'll be the first one to graduate college in our family. Like, they just really had these dreams for me because they worked so hard. They both went into the military right out of high school. And so I, you know, I, I did, I was a good steward and I did the right thing. And I went to college and I, you know, did accounting and, you know, I started interning and doing accounting and all this stuff. And, but my passion and excitement was makeup and it was always what motivated me. And so I do it on the weekends or part-time and, and all my friends and proms and, you know, all the fun stuff. And, and um, yeah, so I just, I was working as a staff accountant, you know, just going about life. And um, I, I applied and I was working part-time, you know, doing makeup, freelance, bridals and music video stuff with friends, you know, just kind of Mm -hmm. the standard, just got my toe in it just to keep my foot, you know, the door open. Um, but it, it wasn't paying the bills, you know, I, I was doing accounting and, and I applied to a job, which was just so random at a branding agency that I thought was just a, a marketing company. I just had no clue. The ad was very, you know, non-descriptive and my first day on the job, I get there and I'm doing a tour and walking around the building with the HR person. And I'm like, what, what the, like you guys <laughs> sell what, and you make what, and they, it was a company that owned makeup brands and skincare brands. And they also had other things at the time. Cause this was over 15 years ago. So they had like supplements and, but they were, they were in um, health and beauty in a major way. And I had no clue. And, um, and so I, I remember saying to the HR rep, like, wait a minute, like, I think I, I applied for the wrong position. <laughs> like, I need, I need to be in the marketing side. I need to be in product development, coming up with all the products, you know. And she was like, Ooh, you know, let, you know, you know, you're an accountant here, you know. So I, I, I did it for 18 months and I just made all the right connections and I networked with all the right people in the building. And yeah, when an opportunity came up to, uh, go over to the pure brand as we know it today. Um, for, for anybody who's familiar with that brand, I, I started off as a marketing coordinator for that brand. I took a, a demotion and made the career decision to leave accounting and, and 
fast track the other way. And it was the best decision I ever made because quickly rose to the ranks. It was a brand new brand just kind of starting. They had just got distribution in Ulta and just worked out really good. And I just, you know, put the years in over a decade. And, you know, when I left there, I was a senior VP and I um, headed up marketing, social media and product development. So, yeah, it was a whirlwind <laughs> and definitely I feel like a kind of a fate and, you know, I feel like everything happens for a reason. So I love that. And I love there's so many things like I have military parents. Um, so I completely both of my parents were in the Army, too. So I completely understand and connect with you on that front. And I love one of the things that you said in, in your last video, you said you only live once and you need to follow your dreams. And your whole story is that, I mean, to take a demotion and then to fast track the other way, people don't understand that sometimes you get, I like to say, sometimes God gives you a no or not yet to prepare you for things yeah. that are coming. And so it wasn't Absolutely. your time to have that fast track, but then you got it. Right. So, yeah, I think, I think people, sometimes um, we get complacent and we don't see through the weeds and we don't see the opportunity and, and maybe changing directions or, you know, starting over or taking a step, you know, in a different direction. I think sometimes we think, oh my God, I've come this far. I can't stop now, but you're doing something you're not happy about. You don't love, you're not passionate about it. It's not what moves you and motivates you. And I really, I honestly was that very person. I mean, I was a good steward. You know, I was, you know, one of the most senior, long-standing people. I mean, we used to joke that I was the fossil in the building. Like, honestly, I knew where everything was, you know, because I, I, I'm the person everyone went to because I was like the fixture in the building. I, I was like, I, they knew Tisha was not going anywhere. Like, I just, I loved my job. I loved what I did. I loved my career. Everything was copacetic. But um, two and a half years ago, I lost my dad really um, unexpectedly to a heart attack. And I did not I did not realize how before that precious life was and how it can just all end in a moment. Um, and I just remember just the state of depression and just it just jolted me and just like, what am I doing? What is my purpose? What is going to make me happy? And I think a lot of people are experiencing that over the last year with COVID, right? Like when your life, um, when you get to a point where you just really have to reflect and, and take these opportunities to look in the mirror and figure out what is, you know, what is your purpose? You get a sense of clarity and then it all works out from there. And that's kind of what I did. And it's just been very freeing that it's working out and it's not always worked out. I mean, honestly, I've had you know, we've all taken bumps in, uh, along the way, but, you know, it's, uh, it's going toward what I truly believe is my purpose. And so it's all worth it. That's so, it's so powerful because so many people have talked about how the gift of COVID was that we all had this moment to, to slow down or as you would, even though we've all been really busy, but to really reevaluate, you know, you can't turn on the news and see what's happening and life lost. And to your point, the suddenness of life lost and how fast it happens and not say, what, what is my purpose? And like, what am I happy about? And so as you, as you said, like, I'm, I'm going to take a step back. You always love to do makeup. You have this great job. <laughs> You're the fossil in the building. Yeah. And then you leave. And I know it's been, you know, you said 60 days. So <laughs> how did you go from like, 
this idea to launching, I mean, I know so many people that are trying to get into Sephora and you're, you've literally launched and are leading a category. What was that like? How did you prepare yourself? So, so we've launched 60 days ago, but it took two years pretty much to execute uh, before we really yes. got to launch. And that process was very interesting because it's literally like starting, like birthing a baby, you know, it's starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. There's just so many elements behind, you know, starting the business. And so it really, you know, it, it really took a lot of time and energy to get, you know, to this point. But I would say that, um, you know, it, it definitely has been, it's been a reward, but I would say the the piece with Sephora is a, a lot of people ask me like how how did you how did you get to Sephora like how did you secure Sephora like what was that like and it's it's kind of a blur because it just it happened so not quickly <laughs> but unconventionally because we were having conversations right during COVID. And so everything was just very haywire, we were, you know, meetings virtually and, you know, presentations virtually and sampling virtually and all that stuff. So very different approach. I, I mean, over my career, I've launched in many, many retailers and there's always you go and you visit and then you yes. know, there's this face to face, you know, and lots of pitches. And so mm -hmm. just a total different experience just because COVID um, really changed that. But I think what the alignment really, um, you know, happened is the synergy of really me focusing on clean um, and Sephora focusing on clean. But my focus was first in diversity and Sephora is also really steeped in diversity. So the alignment worked really well because Sephora had already invested in clean in a major way. I mean, they've got this mm -hmm. amazing program that they launched that majority of the world is following suit behind. I mean, they've really been. Um, the pioneers with clean at Sephora. And, um, you know, um, I, I think that, you know, what, what they didn't have is the diversity, um, part in the clean space. And I think that's where they really saw some excitement with LIS because for me, having spent so much of my time, you know, with the pure brand, which is a clean brand, um, it was a good opportunity for me to really understand the space and really see the opportunity. And I really just felt like I didn't see myself. I felt the white space in my community with yeah. my family, my friends, um, my close network. Um, and I saw that white space and, and they'd ask me questions and they'd want this and they'd look for that. And, and so I really felt you know, like it was my duty, right, to mm -hmm. to bring a product that I knew could service, you know, those closest to me and then share it with with everyone that I knew was looking for the same thing as well. It's interesting, like you you've started so many brands and I've started brands and it's funny that process of white space and like where you find it and mm -hmm. the niche and what's new and all of the things. And sometimes it comes from just the people that are closest to you. And I love that when you're like, I'm supporting my family. When I was going to start my first business, it was literally me at a dinner with my family and being like, here's what I want to do and not necessarily yeah. understanding, but supporting. Yeah. So and they totally give you so much insight. Yeah. They yes. give you so much like raw, authentic feedback, which is great. <laughs> yes. um, and I love that. And 
you know, that's kind of where I draw a lot of my inspiration, honestly, from is, you know, my family, my friends, my sorority sisters, um, you know, just my community in general is, is really um, a sense of inspiration for me, because, you know, I just feel like the beauty space has been lacking in so many areas in supporting our community. And so having that autonomy, you know, in my career, in my previous role allowed me to, you know, make really cool transformational launches and decisions that I think help, you know, make an impact in the space, which I think set me up to really be able to then come in really, really noisy with, with LYS, I feel like, because it was, it's still shocking to me, right, that we are the first. I am honored and humbled and I'm so excited because somebody's got to be that first one to break the ceiling and so we can bring everyone along. Um, And I'm just glad I could be that. And now I'm just excited for all the amazing brands that can now have the opportunity to get that same shelf space that we all deserve. And there's room for all of us, which is so exciting. Oh, I love how you say that. I've read that. I I read something where you were talking about that before. Like there's room for all of us. And when we can all come together and have our products and really, you know, take that 15% and more, like it really has to be equal and more, but I Mm -hmm. like that we're taking this first step because together we can grow the entire industry. And that's really, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm passionate about. And I, I want to talk a bit about, you know, you talk about being the first and creating something. And so one of the things that I just love is that you talk about deep shade ranges and high performance products, and that there was this kind of myth that you couldn't have clean deep shade and high performance, and it just couldn't coexist. And you, you dispelled that. Like why, yeah. why was that even an issue? Like why, why <laughs> would people think so, they couldn't work? I really think it honestly boils down to uh, representation. I think that, you know, a lot of times these brands um, don't have people like black people like us in these roles representing yes. the decision-making process when it comes to formulation and product development and execution. And so And on the other side with the manufacturing, it's also equally misrepresented in terms of the diversity, right? So when you, for example, I'm working with a lab in Korea, I mean, they don't have an abundance of black people in Korea and they're not, I mean, they're lighter skin. And, and so it's okay. We have to educate them on what we need to service us. And so if, the person making those decisions, the person executing in charge of formulation, driving that those project scopes within the organization are not people of color. They don't know our needs. They're not serving the right people of color. They don't necessarily see. Then you also have some of the pressure from retailers, right? Because the retailers servicing the demand that they're seeing. So it's been a trickle down effect that's really been a negative impact on the black community. We have just not been served properly with product assortment that works specifically for our needs and it boils down to representation. And so now when you see amazing brands putting amazing black people in these roles of leadership driving innovation, now you're seeing the amazing changes that are happening in the space. In addition to 
us creating our own brands and starting our own lines and servicing it directly ourselves. So that's, I think that's the sheer rationale I equate and what I've seen, honestly, in my experience over the years, simply why um, there is a lack of diversity within beauty overall. And then you drill down even more into clean. It's really like lacking, right? It's like everybody equates clean to this one set standard image. Like, I don't know who came up with it. And it's, it's, it's just simply not the case. And so I'm excited to kind of break down those, those kind of um, standards that have been preset within beauty overall, um, just to say everybody deserves to be represented. Everybody deserves to focus on overall skin health. Everybody deserves to have products that are good for them. You know, people of color are 50% more likely to be served products that have harmful ingredients in them. And that those are just facts. And so, you know, if we don't have representation in the right areas in leadership within these organizations and or creating our own brands, then it's it's hard for it to change. And it's it's not to discredit other races that may have had those positions. It's just you can only do what you know or what you understand. And if you don't have deeply pigmented or melanated skin, you may not understand the challenges that our skin may face or the needs that we may have for our skin. So you have to either work with people or have those people hold those important seats as well on the team to bring that to the forefront. You know, this conversation continues to come up and I think it has been so personal. Um, just looking at the beauty industry, I have a nonprofit um, with my co-founder called Beauty United, and we did a mentor program and we brought in 52 BIPOC or actually black and indigenous mentees and partnered them with people who didn't look like them. And mm-hmm. as we were preparing for the program, we spent a lot of time just on the education like down to helping our mentors understand the difference between black and African-American and the diaspora and all these things that they, they honestly just didn't know. And so much of it is about representation. And that's why I wanted to even do this. Like my mission is to truly commit to changing the representation in executive leadership. And at the same time, the face of entrepreneurs that we see, right? Because we have to, and it's so, it's like our industry, but even, you know, when you said 50%, Black people are served 50% more harmful ingredients. I also think about what's happening just in the hospitality industry and how we talk about so much fast food and like black communities. And it's so interesting, the parallels of what's happening to our community. And so Mm -hmm. we have to, across the board, change representation, change it, change it, change it, change it. And I don't know all the answers, but I think that you as being the face and the representative of not this cookie cutter thought of what this Mm -hmm. blonde white person looks like, but really Mm -hmm. pushing the envelope there. And what do you like, what do you think in terms of the future, especially around clean beauty? Like, is it a matter of education? Is it a matter of access to ingredients? Is it a matter of price? You talk a lot about price. 
I think it's really all of them. I think there's always a high, medium, and low in every category in any vertical. And I think you have to have that in clean as well. So I think that for us, we're not the lowest, but we definitely are that mid-tier and we're nowhere near the highest. But I do think access is important because if something, you know, if a foundation, an average clean foundation is 35 to $40, that may be over someone's threshold to spend. And so, you know, while we're not, you know, under 15, like maybe a, a, you know, a a mass brand, we're in that low 20 price point that makes it accessible, Um, which I think is really important because I think that um, everyone deserves access to good ingredients, just like fruits and vegetables. I may not be able to buy organic, but I should have access to, you know, fruits that are good for me and that sort of thing and not just only be able to buy the junk food the chips and whatever. So I think that access is absolutely critical. I think that education is key. I think a lot of times we just may not know why we should or shouldn't um, focus on different ingredients for our skin. Um, So I, I definitely think that education is important. And then I think assortment is, is also critical too. I think that as we have more representation, more Black entrepreneurs creating brands and developing products that service our community, as well as these existing organizations bringing in more people of color within these roles so that they can create products and assortments that work well. And I mean, truly work. Like, yes, we've seen, you know, the 50 shades of gray, like keep it. We don't want that. This is not about, oh, let's just have effort. Like, no, we need effective products that work. A number could mean less to us, right? Like, I I don't really care if you have 50 shades of a foundation, if they're all gray. Um, And so, uh, so I really think that it's really important to, you know, to really be effective in servicing the community as well and focus on the things that, that matter. And so one of the things like we focus on is, you know, I'm really big on oily skin types, hyperpigmentation dry skin, textured skin. Those are the sorts of things that people of color deal with, right? We were maybe not so much focused on anti-aging, not to say that it's not a concern, but, you know, the average, you know, you know, black person's skin ages about 10 years slower than that of a Caucasian skin. So we're, we're not going to be as eager to run to something that is focused on anti-aging as we would be like, oh, I want to even out my skin tone or my dark spots. So I think that having, you know, products and formulas that service our skin type is critical as well. So that's all purpose-driven development is what I say. And so for us, we formulate with that first in mind. And a lot of times brands, unfortunately, it's an afterthought. It's like, okay, they've got their core demographic. They've got their core skews. And then it's like, oh, let me give you this extra add on that I'm going to do here, like down the road. You know, it's not a forefront thinking in the development process. And so that's what has to improve. It's getting better. It's not where it needs to be. Um, And I think that as we just continue to get the support from the retailers, and as we continue to support it, it's going to continue to evolve. And I always tell people, like, they ask me, well, what can I do? Buy Black, support Black-owned businesses, you know, when's the last time you wrote a good review, you know, like, you know, instead of, you know, 
calling up your cousin and complaining about X, <laughs> Y, and Z, when's the last time you offered some positive feedback or, you know, told somebody about something cool that you found? Um, we have to do our part as well. You know, it's really critical. Oh my gosh. Bye black. It, it's so true. And it's so funny. I, I, I've talked to so many people that it was like, we thought about it, but this movement has been so um, intentional. Like, I love how you say purpose-driven development. I feel like I do so much more purpose-driven shopping, right? Yeah. And it's funny because we always say that we're supporting, but it has taken this time to really be intentional. And you look at all the different you know, sites that have popped up to make it easier for us to shop, but we have to be intentional about what we're doing. And it's so funny, too. Um, I was talking to one of my white girlfriends, my birthday is coming up and literally we were talking about skincare and all these things. And you were so right. I'm not trying to buy aging. I'm, I got masking and it's funny because in my whole life, my mom's like, I've never seen these dark spots. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, it's age. I was like, I don't need anti-aging. I'm, I'm good. Mm -hmm. I have to deal with dark spots and it's, yeah. it's like, it's a balance and understanding the nuance of our skin. And it has to be more than just like, this is for melanin skin. Like there's yeah. so many variants of it. Yeah, for sure. I 100% agree. Definitely. And I think supporting each other and, and buying black and, and I think sharing when you have a good experience, you know, I think yeah. that word of mouth, Reviews. Really people underestimate so, that. Yes. Yeah, it's so important. It's so important that spreading the word. Because um, a lot of times we just don't know, you know, and it's like, yeah. there'll be brands like I'm finding out about brands every single day. It's like some of these brands have been around for years. I'm like, oh, my years, God. Like, yes. And I'm sitting here like, oh, my goodness, I'm sitting like I feel bad, but I I genuinely didn't know you existed. So and it's tough because we, we may not have the marketing dollars, the budget, the financial backing. Yes. So we don't we're not getting that word out. But it, if we all do our part and share and I try to do that, it's a series that I'm just kind of starting on on the brand, just kind of sharing when I come across really awesome products from black founders and just kind of passing along the word, you know, just kind of doing my part, you know, that's the biggest thing, the word of mouth, doing our part, telling as many people as we can tell. And it's interesting, yeah. even when you talk about, like I was on a call with the few black beauty founders and talking about their competitors and how much money they're pumping into samples and marketing. And we were talking about the beauty of getting into the Sephora's and Ulta's and Macy's and all these retailers is that you do have exposure, but then the curse of that is how much it costs to actually be there. And you yeah. have to prepare yourself with that reality because it yeah. hits you very quickly. I mean, you spent two years. Did you fundraise? Did you self-finance? Yeah. So I did do both out of the gate. And for me, it was also having that understanding when we started to have the conversations with Sephora is really what their shift in mentality has been in supporting um, the brand, especially these 15% pledge brands. I think there's definitely an acknowledgement that there's a different level of infrastructure in terms of financing. There's a different level of of um, support there. And so they have been extremely supportive and mindful and helping not just my brand, but but all of those sort of brands and the ones that are, you know, to come. I know they have an incubation program that they're working on with several other uh, BIPOC founders. 
And I think that before um, kind of this, this, I call it like a renaissance that we're kind of going through. I feel like before retailers, you know, not just Sephora, but, but all of them have really gotten on board and pledging to support uh, people of color and giving more shelf space. There was more, a more um, sink or swim mentality when it came to retail, right? It was a different world. I, I've lived it for the last decade plus if you don't perform, you don't get space. You know, it, this is what it is. It's black and white. It's it's not personal. But I think that supporting um, diversity and inclusion is personal for for Sephora and and all. And I think with many other retailers too. And I think that they will do their part to support those brands in a in a unique way. You still have to perform, but I think there's more guidance. There's more concession in terms of hey you know, maybe you can't do this, but how about this? Or, you know, hey, this ver- these verticals are included. This is what we often give brands. We'll focus, you know, you there versus here. Like just working with you along the way to kind of level the playing field. And that was important for me with any retailer relationship that we made the decision to go to because we're not massively funded like you would see some of our counterparts um, and so that was just, that's just the reality. And I, I feel good about where we are and where we're going. And for me, it was a slow build. You know, I wanted to, I mean, I remember years ago when I launched the Pure Brand in Retail, we had 50 plus SKUs probably. I mean, it was a full line, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, for, for us, for me, I wanted to be conscious and, and really be small and strategic and digestible. And so we launched with six items. And it, it allows me to crawl, walk, run. You know, you, yeah. you really need to, in that mentality, start with even one skew, you know, being a color brand, it's, you know, kind of, it was a little, it was a decision to say, hey, let's do kind of a full face, tell a full story, but you can start with one skew. Um, but I think you have to be intentional and you have to be focused and strategic because it is an expensive endeavor, especially when you go into brick and mortar. Um, and so for me, I wanted to not, not, you know, fundraise too much, but enough to really be able to support the business. So that that's the direction that I ended up taking um, mm-hmm. and self-funding as well. Obviously, I think it's very important, um, in my opinion, to any um, entrepreneur out of the gate, you know, fund as much as you can upfront yourself and um and then just kind of build from there so but it's not it's not out of reach you know sometimes people feel like it's out of reach it's too expensive i'd never be able to survive you know it's not out of reach i think that um sephora i can speak to specifically are amazing partners and they're in this with us you know it's it feels like a marriage. This is a relationship. They, they are equally as invested in our success as we are. So, and when you have a partnership like that, it, 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 it's meaningful. It makes it all, all worthwhile. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's so important because so much of the livelihood in terms of going into retail and that partnership is dependent upon someone on the other side having that. I love what you said, supporting diversity and inclusion is personal. 
Yeah, it really is. And I think especially now we can't just be left with this corporate mentality of not understanding the personal relationships, the person behind the brand, the different circumstances of which people meet and get there. Yeah. I really think that, that there is this, this mentality of like, in order for this to work, there's gotta be some concessions and you still have to perform, but those concessions can be different. And even thinking about self-funding and the fundraise, there's so much talk in terms of crowdfunding. Um, and I've talked to a lot of founders that really believe for us that crowdfunding is going to be part of the future. Um, and I think that even when we talk about fundraising, understanding how to fundraise, who to fundraise with, not taking more than what you need, taking mm-hmm. enough, how did you educate yourself in terms of the fundraise? Did it come from your experience? Did you have to self-teach that yeah. process? So I think it came from my experience for sure, having spent such a long time with a very successful brand and many brands that, you know, the organization I was with, they owned and buying brands and that sort of thing. So I think some of that was innate experience that I had already had. Um, But I would say my recommendation in the direction I decided to go is to work with people I had relationships with. Um, I think that, you know, Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you just don't know people, right? And I think it's Mm -hmm. very often in the Black community, we don't have wealthy relatives usually that we can just pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, I got this really cool idea. Will you loan me, you know, (laughs) you know, a lot of cash, you know, like with no strings (laughs) attached, right? So, you know, that sense of generational wealth isn't as prevalent for us. And so for me, the next best thing was to call on relationships that I had built for over a decade, right? And that's why I always tell people, you know, yeah, you can jump right in. You, you, you know, you jump out of college or whatever you're, you don't go to college, whatever you, you have this great idea and you want to start a business tomorrow, fine, sure. It's going to be a long process. You're going to have to learn along the way, but you can do it. But I definitely think just as we, you know, say preparation is, is key, I think that my journey specifically in the corporate world prepared me. And and so all of those years where I feel like, oh, my God, I gave a decade. I learned so much in that process to where it is second nature. Half of the things I do on my day to day and running business because I've been there and done that on a much larger scale. So now I have like this very digestible small brand with all these cool things that now I can control. It's. It's like, it's fun. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I'm in the weeds of trying to understand this and that. And how does this work? And how does that work? And so I made sure when I took the decision to bring in someone to be in this journey with me and, and, and raise money, it was somebody I knew personally that I can have a relationship with. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to do VC. I didn't want to have these, these constraints of it's about the numbers. It's about the performance, you know, maybe in the future, you know, if we get big enough, it makes sense. And I need to do that, but that wasn't a direction I wanted to go. I wanted to be in full control, run my business, have the access to the capital to be able to do some of the cool things I know takes to run a brand. Like, launching with a well-designed, you know, website that costs money to get an agency mm-hmm. to build out. Like that was important for me. I didn't want to wing it and 
try to create it myself on, you know, <laughs> Shopify or whatever. I don't, I don't know the first thing about building a website. I mean, I could have done it. I could have spent probably three weeks and done it. I know many people, some of my friends who have done it, but you can see the difference in the quality. And yes. so, you know, so for me, there were certain like non-negotiables for me that it's like, okay, I want to be taken seriously. I want to run into, you know, the opportunity with a retailer really fast. Like I had these like really big hopes and dreams. And when I sat down and thought about it with my husband, it was like, okay, we're going to have to take capital. Cause I mean, who, who else are we going to call? I mean, I can't call, you know, I couldn't call, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, my uncle, you know, great uncle, like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> write that check. Yeah, write the check. You know, so one day, one day, hopefully I can be that, that cool aunt. <laughs> 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 can call, be like, hey, auntie, can I, I'm, when I got this really good business idea, and I can be like, here you go, honey. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's about just creating that, creating that wealth for our, our own generation. And that's what I'm so excited about because when we talk about the whole diversity and inclusion conversation, like, for me, it, it, it all boils down to not necessarily the buzzy type words, but like equity, like it just mm-hmm. comes down to equity. And when you talk about owning a company, you talk about having representation, being an executive in, in an organization, you talk about having a seat at the table, whether it's at somebody else's table or your own. The entire thing that we all want is equity. We just yeah. want our fair share. So that we can also be, you know, have that access to the American dream, if you will. And without equity and our fair share, then it's there's no diversity and inclusion. It's really just, uh, you know, a fancy term to say, you know, oh, we're thinking about you. Like, no, we need you to give us our fair share, truly give us equity in in all of these elements and to improve things. So that would be my advice is start off with somebody, you know, if you don't have a rich uncle or aunt. (laughs) (laughs) And if it's a new relationship, spend some time learning that relationship and what those expectations will entail, because you want, you want to do business with people you enjoy doing business with you. It should not be, it it shouldn't be a chore. It really shouldn't be. It's so true. That was the, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned in the first company that I created as successful as it was, you know, you have to be in business with people that you'd want to have dinner with ultimately. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. when I was younger doing it, I, I really thought, well, we have this great business. So it doesn't mean that we actually have to like each other or enjoy each other, but it doesn't work that way. Too much of it seeps into that. And that relationship is so important, especially, you know, when it's, when it's hard. And yeah. even in the good times, you want to be able to to celebrate. And I love right. this notion of generational wealth. I think that's the biggest thing. We had Lisa Price on the podcast, and we talked about that just in terms of her decision to sell and at what cost. And it was right. about we have to create generational wealth so that, to your point, we're going to be able to provide support, to throw the cash out, to give the access. And it's yeah. it's it's interesting because you have two boys. And talking about generational wealth, I know you have two boys. You've talked about being on the baseball fields, running this company. Like, how do you find time for you? And how do you find time to kind of recharge in the midst of of everything? You know, it's, it's, it's tough, honestly. And it's, it's hard when your hobby and the things you love is your work. 
<laughs> and so, you know, it's, 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 so it makes it a little bit more challenging and you have to force yourself to step away yes. and do, you know, take a bubble bath, go for a walk, you know, have a spa day, um, even just, you know, getting my hair done or nails done, like some of those things just to take those, that time for, you know, just stop and take that time for myself because I genuinely enjoy and I don't, I don't like calling it working, but I genuinely enjoy what I do as my career. And I know that not everyone works that way. And so sometimes that can drive my team crazy. And so I just, I have to be intentional because that can bleed into my leadership style too, because, you know, you know, I can honestly be on a conference call, approving a sample and making lunch for my kids. I've just figured out how to do that very well and not everyone functions that way. And it's hard yes. sometimes for me to digest. Well, why can't you be running the, ba- the bubble bath, <laughs> you know, helping the other one take his socks off while you're, you know, approving, you know, that's just my world. And I've, I've just gotten used to that, but, but everyone doesn't function that way. And, and I know for me, it's not ideal for me to continue to function that way forever. And so I've gotten, I think, um, Oh, I think COVID has helped me a lot, even though it's been tough. It's helped me spend more time with the family, step away, you know, just make more intentional time for myself and my family and just know that the work will always be there. Um, but yeah, it's, that's, so that's kind of, kind of how it is. It's, yeah. it's not a perfect science. And I, I don't think that I've perfected it as much as I'd like to yet. Mm-hmm. Um but hopefully, and I think once the country opens up and I finish getting vaccinated and I can get out, because I mean, I went from traveling two to three times a month. I mean, I was always on the road, always away at meetings, always something going on. Um, and to just have been home for a year, pretty much your world, you're just like, okay, like <laughs> I'm trying to fill my day with stuff. I'm like, okay, lunches are done. You know, breakfast is, you know, all this stuff, you know, cause I'm just yes. such a regiment person. So we'll see how I do once it's time to get back on the road again. Right. And see if, yeah. see if I can keep, get back on, get back on track. But yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I feel like, um, it's, it's, it's actually so touching to have the same experience. Like I always have to say, I just like, I have such a high tolerance level and to get things done. And I have to remember that yeah. not everyone does. And you know, it, it's, it's been very interesting. Cause like you, I was like, you know, flying every month. I literally have been flying every month and traveling my entire career. Like the first year my daughter was born, she flew every month with me. And so it's always, and then it's like, go, go, go. And it is, you know, but you're right there. There's never, I think that we're always going to talk about it, but there's never an equal balance. Like we're always, you know, especially when you love it so much and we're high performing and it's like giving ourselves grace to know. And like you said, to make, to make more intentional decisions about our time. Yeah. So I think that that's all we can do. That's all we can do. That's it. So as we wrap up, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. We always ask our guests, and this is all, this is always a fun part because you can kind of go either way, but we always mm-hmm. ask what's one brand that you're excited about for our listeners to check out. And it is okay mm-hmm. for it to be yours. It's all <laughs> like others. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, okay. So I, I am 
So I will highlight one of our items that I've, I'm obsessed with, and we just can't seem to keep it in stock, but I'm excited because we are we just did a restock and we'll be restocking again, and that's our cream blushes. So yes. really excited about that. Um, I have so many things I've been trying um, recently. I'm a new user of Briogeo. I don't oh, know what yes. rock. I've been under a rock, <laughs> literally. I didn't realize even how big this brand was until I went to Sephora. And now that I'm in Sephora and I'm like, oh, you know, let me try some of these other black owned brands that they have. I literally just tried Briogeo for the first time. Um, and my sister's like, really? Like, where you been? And I'm like, honestly, <laughs> like, honestly, I don't know where I've been. So I'm loving the banana coconut shampoo and conditioner. I've been been using that. Um, I'm, I love Pat McGrath. I love her, her concealer. Um, you know, I wish she was more clean, but. I do love Pat. Um, third degree of separation. I knew somebody who was her personal assistant, so I feel like I know Pat. So I call <laughs> her Pat. But my husband's always like, you don't know who Pat is. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what I've been, that's, that's kind of the only new things I've been really messing with these days. Tisha, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing. You. This has just been so wonderful. I, I'm so excited for our sisterhood and being in the beauty and wellness space. It's, yeah. it's your, your thank experience you. is so inspiring. It really is. Thank you. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. Make sure to follow at the clean beauty box. Once again, that's at the clean beauty box. And as always, I love to leave you with one thing from today's guest, and that is make more intentional time. How will you make more intentional time for your family, for your business, and most importantly, for yourself? And with that, follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode. See you next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, coordinating producer Lauren Turner, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson and Celessa Baker, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producers Ken Johnson, Andrew Kalb, and Omar Thompson. Find Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon, Radio.com, or where you get your podcasts. Please follow, subscribe, and rate us business of the beat is a say it loud network production waiting on a tax return hopefully it ends up in your hands fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30 percent in 2023 if you're in a bind this tax season lifelock can help our u.s-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues and all lifelock plans are backed by the million dollar protection package so we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.